Hey there, we're the Westlaw Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskospo. Uh, tonight, we begin our college football previews. Uh, we will be taking a look at the Ohio State Buckeyes as we begin previewing the teams that Northwestern will not be playing this season. Um, well, roughly well, a month earlier than we usually start this. Um, worth noting because um, y'all have told us you dig this, you're excited about this, and we're jacked up for the 20, 2021 season. So spread the word. Tell a friend. Um, let's go. We're hamstringing ourselves a little bit because the Phil Still mag- magazine isn't out yet, but I think that uh, we we will bring the heat, if you will. Um, Ohio State coming off a season where they played for the national championship after only winning five games in the regular season. Um, thank you to COVID and uh, all of those lovely things, the nonsense of the 2020 season. But uh, Justin Fields, now a Chicago Bear, um, so that it's going to be a, a different offense. Defensively, a, a lot of guys graduate. Not sure how much people, certain people will be missed. Sean Wade. Um, but, John, why don't you uh, run us through the Buckeye D as, uh, as we see it right now? All right. So let's get this out of the way right now. Depending on the lens you're using, Ohio State was either half decent to mediocre to bad to awful on defense last year. Um, and if you're a Bears fan, to Sam's point, that ought to make you pretty excited about the Justin Fields era and what he did for this team last year. Um, if you're an Ohio State fan, maybe not so much. Um, the thing is, and and this goes, we've used, the word salty has been thrown around quite a lot relative to Northwestern fans, relative to Ohio State, particularly last season, right? Um, because so many things happened that were just so dumb um, that I think a lot of that, almost threatens to overshadow where the Buckeyes were defensively last year and where they're going to be this year. So I would say the bottom line is Ohio State was basically done in defensively last year by the fact that they weren't able to paper over a major coaching change. Now, the idea of like paper over is a weird statement because the Buckeyes started awesome players last year. I mean, awesome. Baron Browning is an awesome player. Tommy Togai, phenomenal player. Zach Harrison, a great player who Northwestern pursued really heavily. Um, but if you followed us on Twitter, you listened to all our pods, especially late in the season, last season, we hate to point this out for like the millionth time, but all the names I just mentioned weren't the ones that grabbed all the headlines, either before the season or after the season. And to the point Sam briefly made earlier, newsflash, but Sean Wade was really overrated. And Tuff Borland was really overrated. And Pete Werner, a good player, was also very overrated. There's a reason that Sean Wade, your, ahem, Big Ten defensive back of the year. Lord almighty. Garbage. Was, Garbage. Was drafted two days after Greg Newsom was. <laughs> two days. Two <laughs> days, people. The Buckeyes were an all-caps train wreck against the pass last year. When I say train wreck, I'm not kidding. 
not only was Ohio State the worst pass defense in the Big Ten, they were the worst by a mile, like 50 yards. Now, you may be tempted to say that those numbers are skewed because of the lack of games Ohio State plays. And this goes to this whole discussion we had in the last, you know, in the intro pod to the to the previews about the narratives around this last season. Um, so let me just stop you right there. Do not make us once again trot out the murderer's row of lousy quarterbacks who put up their best numbers of the season against Ohio State last year. So this is a really big issue going into 2021 because we've been doing this for a long time, right? Back to like when Urban Meyer took over with the Buckeyes and we followed all that narrative and and the Ryan Day right wing of that whole tenure, right? And everything that's led into Ryan Day being the head coach, etc. Um, and one thing has been apparent for a long time. Ryan Day likes to play really aggressively against the pass and lean on all of the talent that's all four and five star talent that he has in the secondary. But that takes discipline. And in a lot of years, the Buckeye secondary does not have that discipline. And you can look at what Jeff Halfley did in his limited tenure as secondary coach at Ohio State. He was able to work wonders with that group. Um, But we talked about in last year's preview that this was a real trouble area because of that history that they had and the fact that he was leaving. And to say the secondary fell off a cliff last year would be the understatement of the year. So there's this notion that, okay, in the secondary, Ohio State... They bring a lot back, but they have to replace Sean Wade. The idea of replacing Sean Wade is a total misnomer. They almost certainly have a player as talented as Wade on the roster. They probably have several cornerbacks who are as talented as Wade. Um, But talent of, like, for example, a guy like Seven Banks at the other cornerback spot doesn't really mean much because the cohesion and the discipline just isn't there back there. And that extends off the field as well. Right now, the Buckeyes' starting safety, Marcus Hooker, is currently off the team um, because he was arrested for operating a vehicle while impaired. We'll assume he comes back. But even if he comes back, the Buckeyes are basically going to be running back nearly all of a group of D-backs, minus Wade, who were flat-out atrocious last year. So keep in mind, as we get into everything that I'm about to talk about with Ohio State— any team that doesn't try to throw all day on this group is just stupid. Um, now, the thing keeping Ohio State from being just bad, flat bad on defense last year was that they had an awesome run defense. But again, there are these misconceptions about Ohio State that circle around the run defense um, that... You can see, so like the media would have you believe, right, that the reason Ohio State's run defense was so good is because Pete Werner is like God's gift to linebackers. It's like, no, no, he's not. He's a good is, line. Is is Warner the one that that uh, tested like bottom of the barrel no, on all the that, NFL athleticism? No, that's that's tough, Borland. We'll get to him. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, Werner's. I mean, Werner's a good linebacker. He's good. He was a second round draft pick. Like he's a good player. He is not the greatest linebacker in the conference. Um, I mean, it's, it was, I mean, and if he was at Northwestern, he'd fit into our rotation, but there's this notion that he operated on this higher plane. Um, And in truth, I think you can look at a guy like Warner and be like, this is a guy whose success was greatly amplified 
by the situation that he was put in. You can look at a guy who played right next to him, Baron Browning, and be like, this guy is kind of like the evolutionary version of what the peak performance of a player could be in this system. Baron Browning was a phenomenal player, and frankly, like, again, we'll, we'll get to it, but like, if this guy had used his extra year of eligibility instead of going and being a third-round draft pick, like, sliding doors hey, for Ohio hey, State. I'm happy that he's yeah, a third-round no, draft oh, pick. Oh, absolutely. And I'm, I'm also happy that he didn't play in the Big Ten championship game because, like, that guy was a monster. Um, but here's the thing. This defense was propped up run defense, which was an awesome run defense, was propped up some by Werner, a lot by Browning, but almost completely by phenomenal deep defensive line play and awesome defensive line coaching by Larry Johnson Sr. So like Werner was good. Browning was great. But understand, Ohio State rotated four linebackers last year. They all played a lot, including the aforementioned Tough Borland. All four are gone and two of them were not drafted. So if that's how good those guys were thought of with an unreal defensive line in front of them, well, I mean, puts us in kind of a weird situation because it's kind of difficult to peg where the linebackers are going to be this year because on one hand, they lose a second and third round pick in Werner and Browning. And yet, addition by subtraction is definitely not out of the question here because as we talked about last year, there is massive talent in the linebacker core at Ohio State that is super pissed because it was sitting behind the likes of Tough Borland. Um and that starts with Dallas Gant and especially Taraja Mitchell. Taraja Mitchell was an absolute monster recruit. Like, this guy is an absolute stud who will be put in the perfect situation behind this defensive line. So both of those guys could step in right away and be just excellent against the run. And if the Buckeyes could have convinced Browning to come back for that bonus year, he'd be the Buckus frontrunner. He would have been in the absolute perfect situation to be in line to be linebacker of the year. And this unit would look absolutely terrifying. And as it is, it's probably going to be a very, very good unit. And then everyone's going to be like, wow, it's so surprising how good Dallas Gannon to Roger Mitchell was. They didn't play hardly at all last year. It's like, yeah, they, they, they should have played. <laughs> That's going to be the thing. Um, but this is going to be a really, really good run defense because... Ohio State's defensive line never dips below flat-out awesome. So this is, on one hand, it's easily the home of the Buckeyes' biggest loss heading into 2021, who's Tommy Togai, who is arguably the best defensive player Northwestern saw last year. Um, Just, this guy was an awesome defensive tackle. Um, Dominated the conference all year long. And yet, Ohio State is just stacked here. Haskell Garrett, Tyreek Smith, Zach Harrison. These guys will all start for Ohio State. They would all start for any team in the Big Ten. And behind those guys um, in the depth chart is loads of talent and depth coached by, again, the best defensive line coach in the country um, in Larry Johnson Sr. Um, This group is going to control the line of scrimmage like they always do. Gobble up defensive line, I mean, uh, offensive linemen and do all kinds of damage. But circling back to where we started, Abbreviated schedule or not, the one thing Ohio State didn't do very well last year was get to quarterbacks. Um, It's a good defensive line. They dominated. They manhandled. They let the linebackers go to work. They drove this run defense, but they didn't get sacks, 
which is kind of an issue because, again, dumpster fire in the secondary. Um, now, Harrison and Smith are awesome ends in terms of potential, and probably one, and maybe both of those guys, let's give Larry Johnson Sr. some credit, one or both of those guys is probably going to explode in sacks this year. But if you are any team that is even remotely competent at throwing the ball, you're going to ride that lightning like all day. Because the bottom line is, this team's going to have an awesome run defense in front of defensive backs who don't cover and a completely new group of linebackers, right? So as good as those linebackers are, they're going to be green and that tends to express itself in pass pro, in pass coverage, um, at least early on. So what does this all mean? I mean, this team's stacked with talent. And up front, they're just unbelievable. So they're going to totally handle the bottom half of the conference. They're just going to dominate them on raw talent and the front seven. But every team that can throw the ball in any way is going to try to shell the Buckeyes through the air and a lot of them are going to have a lot of success doing that. And Ryan Day is just going to have to live with that. So it's weird. I mean, they're stacked with talent. They're going to be awesome up front. And their secondary is going to be garbage. And that's going to be a weird recipe uh, for this team going into 2021. That, that garbage secondary with the inexperience at linebacker is, um, that's a wow factor. It's weird. It's, it's going to be weird. Now, again, like, I mean, they're so flipping stacked up front and that's where you need it, right? I mean, there's no place that's more important and that's where they've got it. But yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll get there. I mean, we'll get, you know, we'll get to the schedule eventually, but you know, in Oregon, they're going to kick the tires for sure. Uh, so Scuzz, offensively, <clears throat> obviously a lot of guys gone. Um, you know. Gargantuan losses. <laughs> yeah. Justin Fields being the foremost uh, of of that, but I mean, so so many more, and yet, you know, it seems like they're just reloading. Am I am I wrong in assuming that? Um, I don't think you're wrong in assuming that the QB position is is definitely a huge question mark, sure, right? Sure. Um, but let's let's start with their strengths. We'll end with we'll end with the QBs and some of the uncertainty there, right? Um. I mentioned gargantuan losses. Justin Fields, Trey Sermon, Wyatt Davis, and Josh Myers. Um, their guard and center. I, like all four of these dudes were massive, enormous departures. Um, that being said, Ohio State's wide receiver core just it remains stupid good. Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jackson Smith, Najiba, Julian Fleming, uh, Julian Julian Fleming. Etc. 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 Like their top recruit this year is another wideout. It's ludicrous. They have a bunch of sick burners. Everybody has great hands. They create tough, tough matchups. Joe Ruckert is back at tight end. That's going to help them um, be flexible with with matchups. Like the, none of these guys are the, the physically imposing receiver. Um, they're just insanely talented and fast. Like I, they might start an entire wide receiver court where nobody is listed over six one. And I don't think it matters. And we saw that last year firsthand, right? Like they can just do incredible things. Ryan day is a great offensive coach. Um, these, these guys are, are going to be virtually uncoverable. Um, and that's just, it is what it is. The offensive line still going to be really awesome. Their tackles are first class. Thayer Munford, 
um, Nick Petit Ferrer. Uh, John, you can give me some some French lessons on that last name <laughs> if you want. But um, they're the best tandem of tackles in the conference. Note that I did not say individual. Um, the interior of the line is going to be raw. They're uh, they're obscenely talented, as the Buckeyes offensive line always is. It's going to be a really big win for them if they can keep Harry Miller at left guard. There was a lot of thoughts that he was going to have to move to center. Um, but uh, Luke Whippler has had a great spring at center. He's a redshirt freshman. And if 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 that holds for the fall, um, their line is going to be really good. Although, you know, new on the interior. So my read here is that the combination of the tackles and this incredible wide receiver core, it's going to give whoever the new quarterback is a great platform to start from. But against good defenses, that interior of the line like, might – like that they might struggle to run the ball and the QBs are just going to be under a lot more pressure, right? To step up and, and take over the game. So let's talk running back. Trey Sermon is gone. Thank goodness. Um, I would also like to call out though, that Northwestern's defense and Clemson's after us, uh, keyed on fields, allowing Sermon to have more space and opportunity. So let's just let that lie right there. Anyway, Trey Sermon is gone to the NFL and now Ohio state is going to turn to a brand new starter in master Teague. <laughs> Boo! So so sad for them. They're so bereft of talent. Oh yeah. Well, brutal. but just brutal. But here's the thing: like Master Master Teague is is fine. He's maybe even good, right? But he doesn't put the fear of God in anyone. He was the third best runner on Ohio State each of the last two years, right? It was Dobbins and Fields, and then it was Sermon and Fields. Now maybe this year, like if you believe Instagram, like holy cow, Master Teague looks terrifying. Um, and maybe this is this is his time. But I like everybody's prior going into the season is that Teague is going to start as the starter, but is not going to end as the starter. And there's two talented freshmen, Travion Henderson in particular, and then also Evan Pryor, who are both coming in. They're both four-star guys, similar in stature, but a little bit lighter weight than Teague. And uh, I think he might end up the third best run on the team. Either way, like, you know, Ohio State is always going to have a stable of guys to run the ball. They're always going to be solid. They're always going to be good. This doesn't feel to me like a dominant backfield, however. I mean, we'll see if these freshmen can really, like, put their stamp on, on, on the world, which has certainly happened in Ohio State's past, but it is what it is. And with new, you know, new players in the interior offensive line, there might be some growing pains. Ultimately, though, the QBs are going to decide whether or not Ohio State makes the national championship again or not. Um, everyone's debating between redshirt freshman C.J. Stroud and true freshman Kyle McCorb. Now, they are carbon copies of one another. They're the same size. They're both pro-style, four-star QBs with similar grades from rivals. The reports out of spring is that McCord might have a higher athletic upside, um, but that Stroud is the steadier hand on the field. Less likely to improvise, but also less likely to make mistakes. I mean, you, this isn't like Indiana, right? Like, you don't need the QB to um, play hero ball and put the world in his back. Uh, there's another freshman, Jack Miller, who apparently is like in a clear like third place, not really going to contend with those other two. None of these guys have thrown a single pass yet in college. It's 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 practice time only. Um, when they've come into mop-up duty in the games, they've just been handing off. So anything could happen once these guys get to full game speed. Um, we just, you know... I, Again, we just don't know what's going to happen. All bets are on C.J. Stroud. That's what everybody thinks is ultimately going to play out. The state of your hand, the one less likely to make mistakes. The, um, I, the hilarious thing I feel about this is that Ohio State's best quarterback 
still has to play a year of high school football before he can come to Ohio State. So this was, I have this written. I said, a side note, I don't expect either of these guys to be a two-year starter because of Quinn Ewers, who's coming in next year. He's the number one QB in the country. He has a hairstyle like Gardner Minshew, and he throws like Pat Mahomes. Not, not anymore like Gardner Minshew. Minshew got a cut today. Yeah. Well, like it's like if Gardner channeling... Minshew, it's like if Gardner Minshew and Trevor Lawrence had a baby, it would look like Quinn Ewers <laughs> and play like him too. It's terrifying. Ewers is channeling Gardner Minshew's like mustache and chest hair. Like it's like the the go watch video of this dude and um, be afraid. I, like. I, Stroud and McCord, they might be fine. They might be good. They might be great. Whatever. They should get the most they can out of 2021. But my bet is that both of them are transferring next year. Because um, Ewers just looks like a, a revelation, frankly. Um, here's the other really interesting thing, though. So so all the personnel, right, like Buckeyes are recruiting, you know, better than anyone in the Big Ten by, by leaps and bounds. Their offense last year. So... They they averaged um, 519 yards per game. The next closest was Penn State at 430. I, it, like they're in another stratosphere. 41 points per game. Only one Big Ten was over 30, and it was Iowa, and they were barely over 30. So I mean, the Buckeyes have just been operating in a di- different stratosphere. But here's the thing: Justin Fields carried the ball a ton the last two years. And not as a primary runner, predominantly as a get-out-of-trouble runner, right? Like, all this talent at wide receiver, charging downfield, pulling the defense with him, Fields is smart. Eight yards underneath, he's taking it. He did that to us a bunch a bunch of times. It's one of the things we were terrified going into that Big Ten championship game. Like, again, he was not a primary runner, but he was more than capable of gashing teams with his legs when the opportunity was afforded to him. He was also very effective in the red zone. He scored 15 TDs over the course of his two years as Ohio State starter. Both of these 2021 options, uh, Stroud and McCord, are pro-style guys. It's not that they can't run, but like Justin Fields was an elite athlete, and I'm not sure Like it remains to be seen if either of these two guys can be elite athletes. So let me just add this up. Combined inexperienced passers with an inexperienced interior line, a potential drop off at running back, or at least, you know, less certainty there. Um, and then add in less red zone playmaking ability at quarterback. And you have a tailor made recipe for trading a lot of last year's touchdowns for field goals in 2021. Now, again, Ohio State was 10, 10 points per game clear of any other team in the Big Ten. And they were bonkers good at scoring. Ryan Day is an incredible offensive coach. I already mentioned that. But this recipe could result in a lot a lot of tighter games. And in tight games with total inexperience at the quarterback position, I mean you are you are you are putting things at risk. So like in summary, tackles out, this offensive team is a, is a national title contender. But inside the tackles, they're uber talented, and it just it really remains to be seen how good they can be and how they can adapt to the loss of Justin Fields. And that's gonna be that's gonna be the make or break for them, I think, offensively in, in 2021. So their schedule, um <clears throat> not really a murderer's row, uh necessarily. Uh open up the season at Minnesota, uh night game, uh, then come and home to play Oregon, 
Uh, home versus Tulsa, home versus Akron. Then they're at Rutgers, home against Maryland. Then there's their bye week. At Indiana, home versus Penn State, at Nebraska, uh, home versus Purdue and Michigan State, and then finishing up the season at Michigan. Uh, so uh, many games. Yeah, I know. Crazy, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Um, but at Minnesota, at Nebraska, home versus Purdue, that that's their crossovers. It's not necessarily... Uh, Anything to write home about there? Um, I, or Oregon, I, Tulsa, Akron is their non-cons. Let, let's just say this outright: they avoid the three best teams in the West. Yes, they. So they that that is very true. Um, for me, though, it's funny because at first blush, this looks like a very favorable schedule. I would say there are two two team blocks that are the major ones that you circle. And it's interesting because you say, yup, scuzz, but I'm curious if we have the same two-team blocks. So One, I was, was going to say, I would argue there are three two-team blocks to keep your eyes on, but I think I know where you're going. Well, we'll see. So the the first one is right off the top, and it's yep. Minnesota and Oregon. Minnesota, because it is the trap game ahead of a Titanic matchup with the Ducks. Um, yep. I would say, so first of all... And on the road, too. I mean, they never open up on the road. So it is. I'm going to circle back to the Minnesota one. There's a name you guys should all circle, and it's a name that, for all you diehard Northwestern fans, it's a name you know because it came with all of the the research into Mike Bajakian, Um, and that's Anthony Brown. And that is a... He'll either be a fifth or sixth year senior quarterback playing for the Oregon Ducks. With a lot of tools, and he's a good veteran quarterback. And he's going to come in to Columbus with a lot of weapons for a very good Oregon team against a really bad Buckeye secondary. And they're just going to throw. Like, they're not stupid. They know where their bread's going to be buttered, and they're just going to try to go after him through the air. And we're going to find out where Ohio State is back there really quickly. And that's where Oregon's going to try try to make their bones. And I think Ohio State knows that, which is where the trap potential of the Minnesota Golden. And maybe, Scuzz, here's the thing. What if Tanner Morgan's just awesome every other year? And we just don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you, oh you, al- you almost made it through that straight face. Almost. You know, I was, I was, as you say that, I was literally going back to 2019 to see if Ohio State had to had to face the the um, the terrifying prospect that is Tanner Morgan, and alas, they did not. Uh, but like what you just described holds, and that is they're facing two extremely tenured, capable QBs, right? Like like Morgan struggled last year with a new. Um, offense coordinator and he loses, you know, another top target going into this season um, in Rashad Bateman. But like, like, like what Tanner Morgan is really good at is processing and making quick decisions. And it seems like that's going to be pretty fruitful against an Ohio state defense that is extremely unseasoned and has like, gotten worse over the past three seasons so right i mean um, like i mean on one hand on the other hand right it's like minnesota loves to ground on the ground like they love to do yeah. that and like they ain't doing that against but, ohio state but 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 they haven't had a competent senior quarterback in right forever. 
Right, right. And that's 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 the interesting difference between Minnesota of of now and Minnesota of old is like yes, they would of course prefer to run the ball, but they haven't they haven't had a a a passing option um like they've had in the past. And that that's that's just something to consider, especially right off the top. It's a it's a home game for Minnesota. The, the Gopher fans are going to be, you know, frothing at the mouth. Um, they're all going to be, you know, gnawing wood in the stadium. It's 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 going to be wild, right? Um, this is 100% the game that they are circling, their, their veritable Super Bowl. And then to come off of that, and granted, they're going to get a boost at home, um, being in front of the Buckeye faithful, but to take on that Oregon team, potentially led by Anthony Brown, that's that's a tall order. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, again, they'll be favored in both of these games. There's no oh, doubt. Of, there's no doubt about it. But they're, I mean, particularly with Oregon, like their Oregon's going to attack them, and Brown's going to attack them where it hurts, and we'll see. And then the, the second Minnesota's a night game too. Just right, noting right to to kick things off with, with the you know, Oregon Oregon body clocks uh, nine a.m. nine a.m. Yeah. <laughs> and and again, the Buckeyes will be breaking in an, an entirely new. I mean, not only starting group, but entirely new depth chart of linebackers. Those guys were all phenomenal recruits, but they'll all be totally green at that point. And maybe that matters. Maybe behind that defensive line, it doesn't matter at all. The second block is just because I, I just think Indiana and Penn State are both going to be quite good football teams. Um, and and everything Scuzz said about like issue like in like if if Ohio State's let's say they lose, you know that massive lead um, or at least a portion of that massive lead offensively they had over the rest of the conference, they're going to feel it those two weeks because those are great defenses. Um, and Indiana Indiana, and Penn State are going to match up defensively against those teams. And again, not to step on Indiana, but if you watched Ohio State-Indiana last year, you saw that. Um, and um, newsflash, Ohio, starts, Ohio State's turning over a lot offensively. Indiana's bringing that whole group back. Um, and again, you watch the second half of that Ohio State-Indiana game, you know what I'm talking about. Um, Penix threw for 500 yards and five TDs, and that was Ohio State with Sean Wade. Right. So, oh, God, well, you know, it's true. Right? Sorry, so, I couldn't, so by couldn't that, help myself. Yeah, by that token, he must, he'll throw for 1,000 in this game because <laughs> the, no, the, the, yeah. So, I mean, and, and, you know. As always, they have Michigan at the end of the year. But again, I you know Ohio State's got whatever issues Ohio State's got. Michigan's got issues in spades. So yeah, um, so I like that. That was my so we had the same two two block teams, John. The only thing about Michigan State Michigan at the end of the year, like Ohio State has dominated the Michigan relationship as long as I can remember now. But Michigan State like weirdly f's with ohio state um when they when they absolutely have no business doing so and i just it's worth it's worth noting that like right like the most likely loss on this calendar after oregon and penn state to me is michigan state (laughs) right like there's no bearing for that it doesn't make any sense like michigan state is not going to be good in 2021 but they might upset ohio state because they just they do weird stuff especially if it's a weather game and it's november 20th yeah so Yee, look out. So yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I mean I mean they like could they absolutely run the table here? Totally. Yes. Uh but whereas last year I was like you know, I was like, take it to the bank, like they're they're just so stacked. Um this year, mm, I don't know. 
I don't know, like Oregon, Indiana, Penn State. That's a heck of a three games teams to have to knock off. And um, I don't know. I don't know if they make if they make it all through all three of those games, um, especially if they continue to have those issues. Um, you know, it's Anthony Brown and Michael Penix tackling a secondary that was by far the worst in the conference last year. Um, you know, they're those teams are going to be liking their odds in those games. Right. So well, it, 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 and, and, and on every, the offensive on the offensive side, it's worth noting like Ohio State in years when their QB has been raw or or un spectacular um they've had a running back like jk dobbins to eviscerate other teams and that's just it's not the case this year in in either position in the backfield all right so if everything goes to hell and they have like what's the floor eight and four nine and three the floor oh god the floor wow. realistic the floor oh boy if i mean everything goes to hell I, ca- I cannot see them losing more than three games. That is the absolute yeah, max. Oregon, I, Penn State, Michigan State. I ca- I can't go beyond that. Yeah, I yeah I can't I can't either. I Michigan mean, I, doesn't Michigan doesn't have a quarterback. No, I I, I yeah. I mean, again, I mean, it's like they're. I mean, right? I mean, like whatever the solid floor is, like any team that is not great at throwing the ball will not score points against this defense. I mean, that's the that's the trade off. Um, the they're just so flipping good. They're like again, a guy like Taraja Mitchell is going to be so good by the end of the season that everyone's going to be like, oh my gosh, why wasn't this guy starting the previous year? So um, they're that that for me like helps dictate their floor. But I mean, again, it's like floor is one thing, but this certainly does not feel like. I mean, if they had Quinn Ewers a year early, that would be one thing. But yeah. without that, this feels like, yeah, like a potential little bit of a hiccup year. Um, if it's not, I mean, God love them for, for the talent that they're bringing in. But this feels like a year when, when they can be got by somebody. And I feel like there's a really good chance. Oregon, Indiana, Penn State, um, and like Scott said, bizarrely, Michigan State, maybe one of those teams grabs them. So we're thinking 11-1, maybe 10-2? Even ten and two seems optimistic, but you yeah. never know. Yeah. But if these things converge, yeah. if if all these things converge, um, and I to, to me, I mean, the flip side is like you look at that wide receiver core and you go, "Sweet Jesus!" Like I, you know, seriously, right? No, like no team can have like the. I mean, the idea that there's potential that like a Julian Fleming could be getting some team's second best corner. It's just ludicrous. Like, I mean, I, like. Well, and the fact that the O line is going to like their tackles are going to be able to so effectively predict whoever's at QB, right? right like, right. you're you're as a defensive coordinator, you are either deciding to leave a Julian Fleming or a Garrett Wilson open, or in you know one on one coverage, and hoping that your your blitz package can get to the QB or or disrupt the QB, um. Or you're, or you're you're banking that the QBs, you know, Stroud and McCord are going to be inaccurate enough or incapable enough that you can, you know, get coverage sacks, which is just it's just going to be hard against against this O line. And unless unless you've got a really strong D that's great against the run, you know, you're going to be in trouble. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, again, I think I think part of it is it's they're they're just a couple 
very good teams on their schedule that are going to give them their very best game. And I just, unlike last year, I just don't think the Buckeyes are going to power their way over um, given that they, this team has a couple real weaknesses in addition to all of their strengths. So yeah, I'll go 11 and one. That's probably where I'll end up. Yeah. Me, me as well. I, I, I just, 10 and two is hard short of short of like some pretty big injuries or something. 10 and two is hard to hard to stomach. So um, 11 and one seems right. And if the one is a Penn state or a Michigan's, well, I can't, I can't breathe life into the Michigan state theory. It, it would have to be the Penn state or Indiana games. If that's the one, that would be the only scenario in which to me, Ohio state isn't going back to the big 10 championship. I was going to say, and even in that case, I just feel yeah. like those teams will slip up somewhere else. And I feel like the, the, the worst, the best case scenario is you have some sort of weird tiebreaker situation. Other than that, I feel like they still win the East. Ohio State is pretty clearly the the most complete team in the East. Um, all the things that we've pointed out notwithstanding. Yeah. And, you know, obviously weather could be an issue. I mean, you could have like that monsoon where uh, Michigan State knocked them off in the horseshoe a few years that's, ago. That's that's Michigan State's mo. Like that's yeah. what that's what they love is the weird the weird weather game, and it allows them in some way, shape, or form to get into the Buckeyes' head. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I think I'm with both of you guys. Eleven and one is, is very reasonable. Twelve and zero is very reasonable as well. Um, I don't see anything worse than ten and two, uh, and you know, more than likely, a, yet another trip to Indy. 12, 12 and one citrus bowl. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, that's what I'm talking about. Going to Indian. Uh, well, yeah. Bowl. That's. Oh we'll leave, yeah. We'll just leave that there. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and leave uh, Ohio state there for tonight. Uh, head to our website, westlawpirates.com where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Westlaw pirates. And you can always email the show westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. Look for us in the west side of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag because we have no quarter, especially the fourth. John Lacombe and Eric Skousby, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.